right, good morning, listeners, and welcome to uh, the, this week's news from the drug war front with uh, Jeff and Marion. And uh, hopefully, we've got some in- interesting, mostly international stories today, but we've got some. Um, just also updates about uh, when the Karma office is closed over the Christmas break. And, over Christmas, yeah. Yep. And he's Jeff, by the way, and I'm Marion, just in case people were concerned. I did, I did say our names, didn't I? <laughs> you did say our oh, names. Good. You said welcome. <laughs> you said to Jeff and it's Jeff and Marion. Oh, I'm okay. just saying you're Jeff. Yeah, you're Marion. Being <laughs> an idiot and I'm Marion, yeah. I think most people would realise that. Goose. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people would realise that. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, no, it's Right. I'm telling them, just in case they don't know. And besides, I need to tell you the morning uh, weather, don't I? Well, at least it's <laughs> so pleasant. So it's nice and sunny. We have now, I've been counting, we've had five days of spring-summer type weather. Woo-hoo. And if we're not careful, we might get nearly two weeks of summer this year, if we're not careful. Well, keep, keep your fingers <laughs> well, crossed. three man. years it's been since we've had a summer, Jeff, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. As far as I've been counting, and we've been uh, very—it's very draining when you, the weather is so erratic and erratic, and you know we can always endorse what the Earth Matters, you know, program has to say simply because we see over the many years. You know, I'm nearly seventy, gang, and I have seen over the years the changes in the weather, the changes in the climate, the changes in the how where we are and where we fit in, you know, it's just, um, it's soul-destroying. We've made a mess of things. that we're messing yep. with things like beautiful entities like the Barrier Reef and, you know, Central Australia and... 40,000-year-old, almost almost might be called um, graffiti, you know, yeah. from the First Nations people where it, that's been demolished. Yeah, appalling. But, you know, and it's just hor- horrifying. Yeah, no, you human beings made a mess. where are people's heads at that they need to do that? Anyway, back well, to us. Well, it's not a good outlook, I agree. Yeah. All right, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the show, um, the aim is to, of course, um, promote the services of karma and also um, the connection which this Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations um, people and clients. Um, we also uh, try and provide stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world and encourage people to um, think about whether prohibition is uh, a success or, as we argue, uh, not. Yes. Um, and, you know, have a chat with your family, friends, um, workmates um, about this. Yeah, yeah, think about it yourself and think about, ask your friends why they think that the war on drugs is continuing when it's obviously quite clearly been a failure that it has. It is, we have stories this week that make it perfectly clear that not only is the war on drugs a failure, that pe- when they are acquiring drugs, the international um, policing organisations or drug drug interdiction organisations can't dispose of them because they just don't, as there's a story from Belgium They've got that too says much just cocaine. that they've got so much cocaine they can't get rid of it. Give it back, I say. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't just don't burn. If you can't burn it, don't give it back. Yeah. Now we've got some very interesting international stories this week. Absolutely, that's um, fascinating. So anyway, karma, um, as most of our regular listeners, well, all our regular listeners will know, um, believe that people should, who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect, both as human beings and as consumers of health and social services. Works to d- reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users because it's the one... A group of people that are not addressed in the legislation, the anti-discrimination legislation, drug users are not mentioned. Nowhere does anyone make a reference and to it's drug seen users. It's okay to stigmatise you and can stigmatise yeah. drug users, but nobody else. Yeah, and that's just wrong. Karma speaks for our community's equal rights by progressing drug law reform agendas. Um, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, that's CARMA, is the drug user organisation, alcohol and tobacco and other drug consumer organisation for the ACT. It's a not-for-profit incorporated organisation and is recognised as part of the ACT's specialist drug treatment organisations and conducts peer-based drug treatment from our drop-in centre. That means by drug users, for drug users. There is no power differentiation between those who deliver the services, that is, those people who work at Karma and the people who come in to make use of the services that Karma can help them with. And it was a proud moment for the third um, AGM as an incorporated association. That's right, incorporated as an... Uh, as an as incorporated as an association and as a um, Chari- charity, Ch- yeah. you which is really important. Yeah, and it was something that I had not realised until the annual general meeting. I was very pleased to hear that because there are people who wish to donate money mm. to Karma and to its activities rather than be involved personally and. That's one way of doing it, uh, is to donate. And if they're not a charity, it's very difficult to donate yeah. or to accept money from people who wish to donate. And how do you um, how do you appreciate that or show your appreciation for that or use that money if you are not a charity? Well, we have a donate and button we on can. the website. Yep. So. Now it's uh, quite clear that you can and you will. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need to go through all the extra things that Karma does, do no. we? Um, I thought I might um, cover that by reading a little bit from the President's report from the AGM, which basically um, I'll just summarise that it. it's been a great journey for Karma and the Connection and our membership this year uh, with many achievements that the community can be proud of. Karma uh, is coming to the end of its accreditation process, which is uh, another huge achievement, and has successfully met the, the key, re- uh, key requirements to be accredited. Um, the President wants to thank all the staff, etc., who put in so much work to ensure that we become an accredited organisation whose systems are based around continuous quality improvement principles. Other exciting outcomes for Karma and the membership is the partial decriminalisation of personal quantities of drugs. Karma played a crucial role both as a leading advocate uh, organisation as well as leading a partnership of organisations all looking for the common theme 
um, an outcome of removing the harms of criminalisation uh, of drugs from our society. Um, we've partnered with Directions uh, Health Services, Pill Test in Australia and the ANU to get CanTest, the first fixed site drug checking trial in Australia, up and running. Mm. And we've got a... Um, Local story about that, that. Which is really important, yep. That sort of shows the success of it and the fact that the demand was so high they had to turn some people away. Yep. It's been running successfully for four months and um, I think it, after six it's going to sort of be evaluated and um, I can't see any reason why it can't be expanded and uh, made permanent. No, and one of the issues about that, the uh, fact that we that people will come in to Cantus and get their drugs checked... Um, to make sure that they are what they say, that what they they are taking what they say they are taking, or being told they are taking, uh, is part of that self-stigmatisation, which is referred to in uh, uh, today's script. Um, drug users must be very careful, I believe, that they do not self-stigmatise. And for many years, we find that people keep their drug use a secret, not just because uh, it's illegal, but because they themselves feel guilty mm -hmm. about it. They've spent years being told it's bad and they are bad. And hiding that it. They yeah. believe it themselves. Yeah. And that's called self-stigmatisation. Very important point. Um, just the report goes on to talk about the uh, great work that Carmen and the Connection did during the, especially the lockdown period of the COVID epidemic. Yep. Um, we continued to serve our community and the radio show was um, an important part, a major of part of that, actually. getting information yeah. out about what um, services and, you know. What they were doing and who was available and where they were available. That was really important. Very yeah. important. Um so the great work was done by Karma staff, uh, well and beyond the call of duty, really working outside of normal hours. Indeed. Um, supporting residents through the lockdowns of, at Condamine Court and Ainsley Village. Um, so that was very important. And we've also continued um, extensive outreach with barbecues and drop-in um, now that the, uh, you know, the more severe um, lockdown is over. Um, we've also managed to grow in size with the ever-increasing volunteer team, full of casual workers who've come out of our volunteer program and a part and full-time workforce, showing just how resilient Karma and the Connection are as an organisation and as a community. And um, I think that's a very important um, thing to recognise, Marion. Indeed, that, yeah. Um, people are yeah coming into the system as volunteers, doing and the induction. And working yeah, and up, as workers. Yeah, no, I think it's really, uh, really important stuff. Um, of course, yeah, um, the President goes on to thank all the staff and the volunteers and um, the funders, etc. of course, but most importantly to thank um, all our members of the community who use drugs and people who use drug treatment services and the ACT. Karma is here for you and this year we've proved that you are here too for Karma. And so, the orders are quite clearly said there was nothing wrong with the way that Karma spent its money. In fact, it was audited, was cleanly audited. Awesome. There were no issues That's great. to be held. And that was a very pleasing thing to be informed of too because non-government sector 
organisations are very often accused of or responsible for the loss of government funds because things have been not having their financial uh, activities have been tendered out yeah. and their finances have not been supervised adequately. But Karma has not been in that position. In fact, it's been supervised well and it has been audited to be very cleanly run and it's uh, its funds and its budget have been have come out come through with flying colours. And that's really pleasing to hear. All right, well we do this first story, Marion. Um, I think it's really Just important. Just before we do I might tell oh, okay. people the next karma op- opioid overdose recognition response with naloxone will be held on Tuesday, the second of December. Um, but sixth. don't get no, today, the sixth. Sorry, today the sixth. Um, at the early morning centre, but get in touch with Nicole, not with Dave or Damo. Nicole's number at the early morning centre is 62475041. I'll say that again, 62475041. And it starts at 2 o'clock today, so you've got time to um, get yourself a spot and learn how to save a life. All right, this piece is uh, by Georgia Roberts from abc.net.au. Demand was so high for Canberra's uh, drug testing service that 27 people were turned away uh, ahead of the Spilt Milk Music Festival. Yes, um, very intriguing. Very intriguing. Yeah. Uh, um, Billy, not her real name, wasn't sure about the contents or the purity of the NDMA that she purchased, so she decided to see exactly what was in it. The 24-year-old Canberra local had procured the drugs ahead of the Spilt Milk Festival, which is one of Canberra's largest uh, music festivals. She's quoted saying, I think it's really important for people to be able to test what they've got because obviously pills aren't regulated, so you have no idea what you're actually getting. CanTest, the ACT government-backed drug checking uh, service in Canberra, is in its fourth month of a six-month pilot program intended to reduce drug-related harms. The drug testing clinic is usually open for three hours each Thursday and Friday, but ahead of the music festival, decided to extend its opening hours. In the three sessions following CanTest's announcement of extended testing, researchers tested a total of 106 samples. Wow. So that's a... That's huge, really. One of the 106 was Billy's. So you roll up and they greet you and pop your phones and any recording devices you might have into a little locker. Then you go over through a waiver and they ask, what do you think you've got? Where'd you get it? And if you're planning on taking it and if that might change depending on the results that you get. And then they take you upstairs to the little lab where they test them. Billy and her friends were planning on taking MDMA, also referred to as ecstasy or molly, and she handed over her sample to the CanTest team. In her case, the testing revealed the purity of the MDMA was quite high, and she said that allowed her to make an informed decision about how to use it at the festival. So I sort of split it in half and then took half and the other half later on just to make sure it wasn't too much. But she said for others the results may have been different. If you get your pills tested and it's not what you think it is, they offer to get rid of it for you safely as well. Yeah, which is a great idea. Testing site had to turn people away due to the demand. Bronwyn Hendry, the Director of of Directions Health Services, which operates CanTest, said the substances collected and tested ahead of spilt milk were, quote, the usual variability in strength and purity and that there were not any significant red flags or any substances they had not discovered previously. 
But, she said, Cantes did have to turn 27 people away on Friday night as it could not test any more substances in its remaining opening hours. Wow. Which is a real problem. Miss Hendry said she was disappointed that some clients could not get their drugs tested, but overall the reaction to the pilot program had been positive. Quote, our experiences, she said, has shown that young people attending the festival, both local Canberrans and those from interstate, appreciate the opportunity to test the substances they were uh, considering consuming and were also mindful of the harm minimisation advice provided. Last month, the health service discovered an entirely new type of drug with a similar profile to that of ketamine, dubbed CANKET by the chemist who discovered it. CANTEST also has reported a number of clients discarding their drugs once learning of their true contents in the service's past few months of operation. And how many more um, new or unknown drugs are going to be discovered? Pop up. Well, we know that every time they ban one, another one with a slightly different chemical, um, chemical structure, structure yep. is uh, pops up to take its place. Yeah. No, look, I've, as I've said before, I think Cantest is just fantastic. Yeah, it's been a, a fabulous success and it's really pleased to hear that, you know, at four out of the six months, it has grown monumentally in its, in its uh, appeal and in its use. Yeah, as word of mouth. Um, spreads. Yeah. goes on to say, in years past, the topic of on-site pill testing for festivals in the ACT and across Australia has been a contentious and a political one. Chris Goff, Executive Director of Karma, uh, said the issue in the Territory was two-pronged, one side being misinformation and uninformed community members, and the other being insurance. He's quoted as saying, I think it's a highly politicised issue, and there's a lot of naysaying from community members who could potentially not understanding what pill testing actually is, he said. Earlier this year, well-known music festival Groove and the Moo said it was devastated not to be able to provide a pill testing service at the Canberra Festival after its insurer pulled out. Quote, uh, Chris has again quoted, the government needs to really step up on this one because insurance is getting harder and harder to find for harm reduction services. He added that as, quote, progressive as the ACT was in its drug policy, further support for festivals should be considered. I really cannot fathom why it is that a service that has been proven to save lives wouldn't be a golden opportunity for investors to get involved with, he said. There are already organisations such as DanceWise in New South Wales and Victoria that provide peer support at festivals for those that might be partaking in drugs. Mr Goff believed a program like that could go hand in hand with the ACT's already established drug harm minimisation measures. It'd be a fantastic thing to have in the ACT to push all of these harm reduction strategies, which we know work, and to complement the fixed um, drug testing site. ACT Minister uh, Rachel Stephen-Smith said the government supported uh, making pill testing available at festival sites in the Territory. But she said there were restrictions because of what the Government Insurance Authority was able to cover and encourage the insurance industry to, quote, get on board by backing pill pill testing providers for festival 
Bay-based sites. Spilt Milk declined to comment on the reasons for their decision not to offer on-site pill testing. For Billy, she doesn't believe the existence of a fixed-site pill testing clinic in her city encourages drug use, and she said she'd learned a lot during her experience at CanTest. Quote, I don't think the fact that you can get substances tested is going to make someone who's not never wanted to do drugs before suddenly my like I'm going to do drugs she said <laughs> yes. it's like it's kind of a bit of a taboo topic <clears throat> because I've never really had a sort of open and non-judgmental conversation about drugs with adults and the canter staff were really nice and the sort uh, they sort of explained obviously no drug is safe and we can't guarantee its complete safety but here are your results Billy's name has been changed for anonymity that's a really interesting um, article indeed uh, just you know the fact that 27 people were turned away because there was not enough time to test them and they'd already expanded mm. the time An to try session. and cover yep. the numbers of people it's unfortunate that they can't do that drug testing at places like spilt milk um and that insurance is uh, the insurance yeah well it's becoming an issue industry has been a, a a problem for a very long time, let's yeah. face it. It started being an issue way back yeah. with HIV and it maintains its problem mm. of paying out on um, or not paying out for things that are covered by insurance or trying not to pay out on them and that's a, a real difficulty. They've yeah. got to think more positively about it and think about how they can work with the user in the user community um, and make people help people stay safe. Well said. rather than not being yeah. involved at all, just saying not our business. No, I couldn't agree more. Thought I'd play just in memoriam for all the people we've lost this year and all the years of prohibition. Uh, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. And discipline remains mercifully. Yes, and then neither would you, Derek, this star nonsense. No, no. no it isn't. I'm sure of it. <laughs>
XXXFM 98.3, your support is important to us. Become part of your community station by subscribing, donating, sponsoring, or volunteering. Visit us at 2XXFM.org.au. Yes, we can only endorse those sentiments, Marion. Yeah, I, I think probably on the back of that, we might just uh, 
remind people that uh, Karma has a new staff member or a new service that it can provide. For a, we have a. Uh, Chinese a Mandarin speaker Speaking, on yeah, staff, yeah, which is great. and that's really important for pe- to people to note because many people are isolated from their communities if they're known to be drug users um, or are just too ashamed to present themselves as drug users. In particular, we don't have the outreach that we need to have. I wish I spoke a few languages. Yeah, it would be, <laughs> be fabulous, handy. wouldn't it? Yeah. We could, what we could do with it. But the talent among drug users to be found is monumental. Oh, absolutely. And we should never underestimate the fact that, all right, some drug users we may not appreciate and some drug users we may have problems with dealing with. Not everybody is going to be lovely. That's not true of any group. Not everybody in the world is lovely. It's true of any group. That's right. And but there's no reason why people should simply be alienated from a place like karma simply because their main language is not one that we can speak at Karma and to be able to have a Mandarin speaker at Karma and reach into that community is fabulous. Mm, indeed. A great institution. Okay. Were you um, going to mention that we've got a new president? And yes, wanted to thank and congratulate our new board members. Um, uh, we have a new president, and I did say that. Congratulations to Pete. Well done, and good on our new board members. And although the AGM tends to be a fairly dry or um, meeting for people. Yeah, they're they not tend riotous. To find because it's, it seems to be that it's just a legal um, requirement. A legal yeah. requirement, and it reports largely on what the finances are and where it stands financially. But it also means that it's uh, showing up people who are prepared to. Um, be involved in the mm. organisation to the extent of um, condoning or condemning those programs that the agency wants to run. Yep. And being that involved to the point where they turn up every six weeks or so or every eight weeks is really quite a contributor, quite oh. a lot of contributor time. You're only as strong as the members and your board That's uh, right. members. That's yeah. right. So we'd like to encourage more people to apply to become members of Karma. Indeed. Um, and also, again, thank our current board and past board members. Yep. And remind everybody that there are a lot of people that we have lost Yes. That would have that have had such a lot of talent, and they have just been lost to the community because they've died. Because before now, we haven't had the ability to save them. Yeah, they have been admitted to hospital, not sorry to hospital to the morgue, mm. um, as a failure to thrive or a failure to breathe, and never has it been acknowledged. Until recently, it's a staggering that loss. they were overdoses, yeah. they were really just uh, counted as people who just stopped breathing. Yeah, and that was—I think—that's uh, humiliating in itself. It's a tragedy. People should be told that people that overdose is a very prevalent um, issue in Australia, and yep. particularly in Canberra. 
because it's a middle-class town and a government town doesn't mean we don't have drug users. Drug use everywhere. Everywhere. And that's why the naloxone program is one of Karma's proudest achievements because it's saved God knows how many lives. Absolutely. Constantly saving lives every day. All right. Uh, we mentioned that we had a international story. A um, couple of them. Yeah, a couple. This one it says entitled Super Cartel Controlling a Third of Europe's Cocaine Trade Taken Down in Europol, Europol Raids. On November the 28th, Europol reported that a, quote, super cartel of drug traffickers controlling about a third of Europe's cocaine trade had been busted in a series of coordinated raids. Codenamed Operation Desert Light. There's always, always codenamed some operation this oh, and that. Oh, yeah, they have to have a code name. 49 suspects were arrested, including six targets regarded as high value by international law enforcement. Authorities from six countries took part in the investigation, including Spain, France, Belgium, Holland, the UAE and the US. Commenting on the arrest, Europol stated that, quote, the drug kingpins formed a prolific criminal network involved in large-scale drug trafficking and money laundering. Spanning a period of two years, Operation Desert Light led to the seizure of more than 30 tonnes, that's 30,000 kilograms of drugs. According to Insight Crime, five leading participants in the super cartel are among those arrested, two having been apprehended in previous years, and one, Daniel Kinahan, having fled arrest. He, is, he has been wanted by the U.S. Uh, Department of State since April 2022 with a reward set at $5 million. In April, the Office of Foreign Assets, Assets Control sanctioned Kinahan alongside other leading members of the notorious Kinahan Organised Crime Group. It shows it, you how much money is involved if they're prepared to offer $5 million oh, to apprehend this guy. There's, the prices, the money involved in this is huge. It actually it becomes not? almost hard to comprehend. Yeah. And, and the reality is... That $5 million, instead of being, you know, designated for uh, how to get to this guy, Daniel Kinahan, actually going towards treatment or peer education... Or a whole range or, of things. Yeah, yeah. The, the, saving people's lives, people's lives. I mean... Why spend $5 million when you can't afford to give uh, Nixoid or Naloxone to um, a range of organisations that, that who want are at the front yeah. line, yeah. Um, at the front line of drug overdose and having to choose whether they're going to um, bring this person back to life or not by using their very expensive mm. naloxone because they have to pay high prices for it in the United States. Well, as the overdose crisis got worse, the price went up as That's well. That's right. And $5 million, you know, as a reward for finding this man could go well go to saving people's lives when they're losing 30,000 people, what, a year at most, at minimum, sorry, and that's yeah, and it's just a repetition of that the same old silly. story. Same story, isn't it? They take down yep. Pablo Escobar, or you know, this various and up come other people. Up come other too people. much money. Too much money involved in running the organisation. And the thing that a lot of people don't realise, I think, Marion, is that it's actually factored into the global economy. Yes. Now, look, we've had a number of cases where well-known banks have been convicted of laundering cartel profits. No one's gone to jail. They've no. paid a fine, which is a business expense. Yep. And uh, on we go. You know, yep. it's... Uh, 
And, it, you know, the same thing goes for things like casinos. Yes. For laundering money. Well, yes. look, at, look at the evidence coming out about their, their conduct. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, and they're considered to be really badly behaved, but that's because people have to hide where the money is coming from. But the money is so monumental, and the story goes on to let you know about it, it just... <laughs> I just find it unbelievable that they're prepared to spend that much money to find one person mm. when we're killing talented young people yeah. Wasting by lives. not letting them survive, yeah. choosing whether they live or die by not providing them with overdose re- that overdose reversal drug. Yeah, it's pretty disgraceful. It is disgraceful. I'm going to say, among the tactics involved in the investigation, the police hacked encrypted phones using the messaging service Sky ECC to intercept communications about organising drug shipments. The service had become a popular tool for criminal communications since the 2020 interception of EncroChat by authorities. Last year, the platform was reported to have hosted around 3 million communications daily. So red flags, red flags associated with financial crimes can often overlap, especially regarding the laundering of illicit proceeds. However, certain typologies stand out concerning drug trafficking and are worth noting. The United States Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, another one, FinCEN, describes key lookouts Indicators to look out for it in a 2019 advisory. The first is money transfers to foreign countries such as China using money services businesses, money service businesses or MSBs, online payment processes, convertible virtual currency, CBC, or bank transfers. The second is transfers like the above that show signs of structuring especially the use of multiple MSBs or other payment services and apparently unrelated recipients sharing key information, especially phone numbers, which is an interesting interesting Mm. and somewhat complex um, indicator of, you know, people who don't seem to know each other sharing phone numbers seems to me to be a very strange indicator that something wrong is going on, particularly drug trafficking. Just It's just an air of futility about yeah, the whole... It just it sounds like it's, you know, waving in the wind, really. Yes, yeah. The report details further topologies and examples among emerging trends. The use of dark net is becoming increasingly popular for sourcing and paying for illicit drugs. The advisory also notes that China is a primary source for these substances. That, to me, speaks of racism. Sorry. Key takeaways, and that's my me saying that, not the article. Key takeaways, one of the European... Um, Union's 22 uh, identified predicate crimes for money laundering drug trafficking has also been recognised as such by FinCEN and the Financial Action Task Force, FATFA, (laughs) such as it's especially important for compliance departments to ensure they have up-to-date risk assessment regarding their institution's vulnerability to drug trafficking abuse drug trafficking, 
by account holders in according with its risk assessment and the jurisdiction's regula- jurisdictional re- regulations each institution should ensure all analysts are trained in recognizing and reporting relevant red flags and the party goes on and on doesn't it it just it does. you know the technology changes the amount yep. of money being spent changes but the and outcome monumental amounts of money that is being used on this on interdiction and the more they use the more they have to use because the more they have to justify why they're using so much money exactly this segues quite nicely into um, a story about Belgium has more cocaine than it can destroy. <laughs> <laughs> Which we thought was actually quite humorous. Um, that was not the one I was looking at. Here we go. Belgium has seized more cocaine than it can destroy. And this is something that can, Australia would be interested to hear. Officials at the port of Antwerp say they cannot incinerate seized co- cocaine fast enough and fear that the backlog could be robbed from storage depots. The amount of... Well, why don't you tell people to do it? <laughs> the amount of cocaine being seized at the Belgium and port of Antwerp is so massive that authorities are worried smugglers could steal it back because police can't burn it fast enough. Officials said there's not enough incinerator capacity to cope with rising seizures of the drug at the port, creating what has been dubbed a cocaine berg. A cocaine berg. <laughs> Instead of an iceberg. iceberg. As a result, Belgian ports, authorities and ministers are worried that the backlog of cocaine being stored at secret depots near the port and who's available then for um, blackmail or for... Um, you know, yeah. some kind of incentive, incentivisation yep. of where are the, where is it being held? Yep, yeah, exactly. Could be targeted by organised crime gangs who are known to have corrupt police and port workers on their books. Antwerp is the top entry point for South American cocaine in Europe. Last year, nearly ninety tons of cocaine was seized at Antwerp. An all-time high, and the officials believe this will also show record amounts seized. <laughs> Quote the record, tra- the rapid transic- trans- destruction sorry, of confiscated goods is an ongoing challenge, Belgium Cos- Customs tra- Service spokesperson Francis Adams told Antwerp newspaper Gazette Van Antwerpen. There is a problem with incinerator capacity, he later told AFP, according that a solution was, quote, on the way. Federal Justice Minister Vincent Van Quickenborn told the Standard newspaper, quote, the amount of the mountain of cocaine is now so big criminals could use the chance to raid storage depots at the port. What a, what a great idea. Yeah, it's there waiting idea. for you. Yep. yep, there it is. It's at the port in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> Just oh. Go pick it up. Yeah, go get, go get it. Uh, there's a prom- problem with incinerator capacity. Federal Justice, no, we did that. We are urgently looking for additional incineration capacity, said Van Quickenborn. Van Quickenborn, 
He said bureaucracy around the destruction of cocaine means each batch has to be burned by appointment. <laughs> so it's a slow process. The more cocaine you seize, the more time you need. And there's a lot of cocaine. Antwerp's position is the top destination for cocaine produced in South America and is a reflection of the crucial role played by, by container shipping in cocaine trafficking. Record seizures at Antwerp last year were boosted by European police forces busting the encrypted phone systems, uh, EncroChat and Sky ECC, which are used by gangsters... <sighs> <laughs> to to coordinate drug smuggling and other crime businesses. The cocaine trade has impacted the city of Antwerp and other ports in the region, such as Rotterdam in the Netherlands, which have both been seen a steep rise in gangland executions, bombings and money laundering connected to the cocaine well, trade. Well, as, as the business becomes more and more profitable and the amount of money becomes astronomical, you're yep. going to have violence and corruption. And yeah, and it's going to become more and more sophisticated, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. No, you're not going to, um, look, I don't care how People many... People are driving around the ports looking for cocaine bergs. I just, you know, the vision of that is just monumental, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> All is right, there I thought, one somewhere? thought we might play a song. Uh, this is Leonard Cohen and it sort of sums up the state of the world. It's called Everybody Knows Leonard yes. Cohen. Everybody knows that the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody knows the good guys lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed Stay poor, the rich get rich, that's how it goes. Everybody knows, everybody knows that the boat is leaking. Everybody knows the captain lied. Everybody got this broken feeling. Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do
That was Leonard Cohen, and it everybody knows. Was. It's a classic song. I, mean, I love his voice. Yeah. Uh, and he was a I'm poet originally. Beautiful. But well, he, but, yeah, he is. I mean, and you know, isn't most uh, most of the lyrics, aren't they, poetry anyway in most songs? Very yeah. much so. But, yeah, it's a very, um, yeah. The, and he was another drug user. He yes. stopped, but certainly was a drug user. Yeah, no, good point. And we need to really acknowledge that the talent... And we do say that regularly. The talent in the pool, the talent of the talent in the pool of drug users is monumental. Yes, and the fact that people use drugs doesn't make them any less talented or less acceptable as human beings. It simply is highlighted as 
like a character defect, mm. and that's a real shame because it doesn't stop their talent from being expressed or being exposed, but it certainly changes people's attitude towards their talent. I remember American comedian Bill Hicks doing a great piece about um, drug use and the impact on the arts, you know, like if you don't like drugs, well, you probably have to throw away half your music collection. Absolutely. And, you know. your music and, your, and probably your paintings. And if you say, you yeah. name various artists and say, yeah, real high on drugs, you know. Yeah, that, you know. too high, don't like him. Yeah, yeah, sadly, he died of pancreatic cancer really young, but he was a very good comedian, Bill Hicks. All right, we, we always like to try and do some uh, story that has a slightly humorous um, aspect to it. And this one's from Vice.com by Gavin Butler. Um, Buddhist temple left without monks after they all test positive for the crystal methamphetamine. <laughs> uh, it follows a string of criminal scandals involving monks in Thailand where authorities are reporting record-breaking quantities of synthetic drugs. A small Buddhist temple's entire abbey of monks was defrocked, dismissed and sent to rehab after every one of them tested positive for methamphetamine. All four... Oh, it's only four monks, but still... Yeah. A small temple at a temple. At the whole temple. Yeah. For that area, yeah. All, all got, yeah, I didn't know monks were drug tested, but anyway. Maybe. No, neither did I. Uh, all f- four monks at this uh, temple in the uh, Bung Sam Phan district in central Thailand were oh, forced by police to take urine tests. All four of them, including the abbot, failed. The monks were subsequently sent to a health clinic to undergo drug rehabilitation. Local official Boon Lert Tintapay told uh, AFP, leaving the temple without holy men and raising concerns amongst the local, wor- local worshippers that they wouldn't be able to conduct, quote, merit-making, that is, donating food to monks as a good deed, which is sort of part of the culture, isn't it, in Thailand? Well, that's, the whole, that's one of the whole points, really, merit-making merit. That's how they actually make their way it to our, in our version of heaven. Give yes, them food that's and, right. and yeah, stuff to get by. Um, Boonlert said uh, more monks would be sent to the temple to allow people to carry out their religious obligations. It's not clear why police targeted this particular temple, nor these particular monks, to test for drug use, but the action comes amid a broader national campaign to tackle the trafficking of illicit substances. Mm. Thailand, like many other nations across Southeast Asia, has in the past two years seen a major uptick in the volume of meth passing through the country. Much of that can be traced back to the Golden Triangle, a notorious fountainhead for the synthetic drug trade, where the borders of Thailand, Laos and Myanmar meet, and more specifically, the conflict-riven hills of Myanmar's Shan State or Shan State. In the wake of the Myanmar coup, which in February 2021 saw the Burmese military overthrow the government and plunge the nation into chaos, record-breaking quantities of both crystal methamphetamine and meth pills, otherwise known as Yabba, have continued to pour out of the triangle and flood the region. Production and trafficking of illegal illegal synthetic substances hit record levels in 2021, with authorities collectively seizing nearly 172 tonnes of methamphetamine and more than 1 billion 
Yabba tablets. Isn't that interesting, Marion, that the Golden Triangle is now so associated yeah, with... Yeah, uh, it used to be associated with opiates and now it's associated with methamphetamine. Well, it was the source of um, high-quality heroin when heroin first arrived in That's Australia. That's right, and so. it was the source of income for the majority of very poor, poor farmers. Yeah, poor farmers, yeah. yeah. This is not an isolated <clears throat> case of Thai months behaving badly either. In recent years, the sacred institution of Thai Buddhism has been tarnished by a series of high-profile arrests and scandals relating to corruption, murder and drug trafficking among its clergy. Whoa! It is a problem. In March, Luang Thao uh, Tuan Chi, a monk who rose to fame in 2020 after claiming to have omniscient powers, was charged with drunk driving and drug possession and subsequently disrobed, disrobed after police found him carrying dozens of methamphetamine pills. Earlier in January, January another month was similarly disrobed after being caught consuming methamphetamine pills and selling them to local youth. Wow, that doesn't sound like normal uh, monk uh, type behaviour. Yeah. No, it's not. That was certainly not something to be worshipped or adored, is it? Or something to be looked up to? Doesn't provide a good role model, which is what monks are meant to do. Sort of set the moral. Yeah, tone. moral tone for the area. Yeah. Uh, such controversies have, uh, what a surprise, eroded public faith in Thailand's Buddhist monks, with experts telling Vice World News that the nation's Buddhist monastic order was in need of reform to weed out the bad actors and restore the religion's image of purity and righteousness. Quote, the ultimate goal of Buddhism is for people to get enlightened, said Somboon Chung Pram Pri, a social activist and executive secretary of the International Network of Engaged Buddhists. But most of the societies learn that not all those who are wearing saffron can be a holy or respectable person. Buddhism is the official religion of Thailand, followed by about 93% of the population and home to more than 300,000 monks. Mm. Well, that's not a major surprise. Remember, we keep on saying not everybody in every uh, sector of the world is a good person. No. And that has to be the same thing for Buddhists or for Christians or for, you know, Islamic. It doesn't matter with any religion you want to point a stick at. You're going to find there are people who do not behave according to the to tenets, the principles, yeah. the tenets yeah. of, their, of yeah. their religion. Yeah. No, I often say there's good, bad and indifferent in any cohort of people. That's it's right. And you think about Christianity and the historical um, problems with the... Um, so-called uh, schools or uh, homes for kids that have been removed, the stolen generation, yeah. basically, yeah. in order to be assimilated with. And the idea of assimilation was to either train uh, First Nations people up to work as uh, paid workers or unpaid workers for... Uh, properties or rich Australians um, or in order to uh, they have been or to marry into um, white so-called white Australia so that they 
de-blacken, if you like, mm. the uh, First Nations community basically getting rid of that that part of breeding the community, it yeah. breeding it out. Yeah. Same with First Nations people in Canada. There's yeah. a really That's horrible right. history. It, and it doesn't matter where you go. First Nations that have been overtaken or invaded by European, mm. basically, European um, uh, countries or populations have been, the intention has been to breed them out yeah. or to get rid of that population as a pure population. And the devastating trauma that's multi-generational is just... And keeps on going, yeah. yeah. It's not as if it stopped it. No. You know, we still find that even those people who are not working on non on First Nations people but working with simply um, homeless or parentless or people who have been removed from their families, mm. um, they simply become part of a system that involves sexual um, or emotional abuse. And it's pathetic. It's, it's sad it's... because it, it has nothing to do with the tenets of the religion, no. you know, with the their morals. How can they think that that is in any way a Heinous. good thing? And then they deny it uphill and down dale. No, yep. we don't do that. And protect that the... might happen somewhere else or in some other country or with some other religion, yeah, but not with not us. us. Yeah, well, not the Royal us. Commission exposed the, that's a lie. Didn't um, it, thought I might have played another song. This is The Jam and uh, their famous song, um, That's Entertainment, The Jam.
the jam and that's entertainment it's about 19 minutes to midday you're listening to news from the drug war front from 2XX people powered radio 98.3 fm and uh, jeff and marion are presenting the show now we've got a story which people know about deliveroo the um fast food or you know restaurant food or other food that gets delivered um anyway evidently they want to get a domain name that's been taken over by a london-based gorilla cannabis um Selling business, yeah, yeah. to hand over the domain name and change their branding. Food delivery company Deliveroo has taken legal action against a UK cannabis dealer called Dispenseroo because it wants to own the name itself. In September, Vice World News received an illegal cannabis dealing uh, business calling uh, itself Dispenseroo. Um, was making up to £50,000 a week selling illicit bags of cannabis, edibles and vapes via the post. Dispensaroo put up hundreds of unauthorised advertisements for weed on London's tube trains, mimicking Deliveroo's name and logo, mm. and persuaded Instagram influencers to promote their brand. In October, the outfit, which started selling weed in August, publicised its website on digital billboards in a shopping mall in Wembley. Mm. But this week, Dispensaroo has been told it may have to hand over its domain name to Deliveroo because the food giant says it is an infringement of its trademark. A delivery spokesperson confirmed the firm had f- confirmed that the firm had filed a complaint to request the transfer of the dispensary domain names back to Deliveroo and to stop using their brand name in order to protect its trademarks and brands. Quote, given the obvious and substantive mimicking of our brand, we've lodged a complaint with Dispensary's website registrar and also the World Intellectual Property Organisation, the spokesperson said. When asked if it uh, had any future plans to use the dispensary domain name itself to sell drugs, and the spokesperson said the firm would not be doing that. <laughs> Speaking to Vice World News under the pseudonym S in order to protect his identity, Dispensary's founder, a weed-smoking Londoner in his 20s with a background in advertising and logistics startups said at, of Deliveroo's legal action, quote, we strongly feel that Deliveroo's hostile claims to this name, which they derive off the word kangaroo, is laughable. 
quote, on a daily basis, we receive many messages for customers on how much they depend on us and how much ease we have brought to their lives. Even against the legal adversities we already face with the archaic laws around cannabis in the UK, we've all come together around the beauties of the bud to fight for a cause we strongly believe in. We believe our fight with Deliveroo is just another hurdle we must overcome. Quite legitimate too, I think. S said that Dispenseroo had multiple domain names around the world in countries where Deliveroo does not operate. Deliveroo was founded in 2013 in the UK by American tech nerds Greg Orlovsky and Will Shu and now operates in Europe the Middle East and Asia. In August, the company announced losses of $147 million, or pounds, sorry, in the first six months of this year, although it still made revenues of over £1 billion during that time, which, which uh, in which it made 160 million deliveries. Maybe given their losses, they might reconsider the um, suggestion that Absolutely. they maintain... Maybe they might that just side of the give it back to Deliveroo, let Deliveroo have, or sorry, Dispenseroo um, run its business and maybe run them in conjunction with each other. Well, look, the reality is that, you know, it might be taking a while, but cannabis is moving towards being a proper, you know, legalised business with a whole range of products, medicinal and recreational. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, it says in that, you know, it's talking about edibles. It talks about, you know, um, talks about oil, CBD oil. That yep. You know, there are a range of products that it uses, both therapeutic and um, for enjoyment purposes. Um, and the potential In the same huge. way that yeah. Deliveroo does, you yeah. know, that's... Therapeutic yeah. and enjoyment, yeah. you know, not really all that different. No. Just a matter of uh, maybe a different customer base. I agree. Or the same customer base but for different reasons. <laughs> well, you, you smoke a bit of weed and then you ring up Deliveroo. Ring up and get something <laughs> Deliveroo, yeah. Uh, we should do some announcements just about uh, dates. Um, What's happening over Christmas, that's really important. Um the end of the Karma Clinic, the last date, is December the 15th um, from 10 till 12.30. So that's on Thursday, the 15th of December. And it will open again Thursday the 2nd of February uh, for those same, day, same hours, 10 to 12.30. So the nurse-only date at Althea Woden is the 22nd of the 12th. 2022, the 23rd, 12th, 2022, so I think the 26th of the 12th, that's, yeah, that's all out there, going. Yeah. keeping all their services going, and the but they will be advertised on the website as well, I would imagine. I would imagine. Um, and certainly you'll be able to get um, a flyer 
from the ba- from the van or from Althea and keep it at home, stick it up on the fridge so you know when things are available It's for a hard you. period Christmas for a lot of people, isn't it? It is um, a very difficult period. It's a time when people want to make take holidays simply because it used to be, because the weather was over that time. Um, <laughs> was reliably also, nice. <laughs> uh, because we're largely, I guess, a Christian nation, or we used to be. Um, the, uh, the birth of yeah. Jesus was yeah. a really important time um, and became a celebrated time for us to get together, families to get together and celebrate yep. that time of year. Now it's about when services completely close yeah. down, and that's a real problem. Leaves a lot of people. Um, it leaves people out in the, well, leaves them in the lurch in a lot of ways, especially because a lot of the government services close down too. Indeed. Um, are um, we going to be here, Jeffrey, over well, the Christmas break? Karma's Christmas break will be from 12pm uh, on the 23rd of December, but we're reopening Monday the 2nd of January, so it's a shorter break than previous years. So, um, yeah. The radio show, though? Um, I think we'll do the radio show perhaps n- maybe not that week when we're closed, um, or maybe we could um, do it as, you know, well, I mean, we, normally we do it, don't we? Um, yeah. So that uh, is definitely up in the, in the air. Well, it um, depends, I guess. If it's not, if it's Christmas Day, we won't do it. No, obviously. No, but there's a so if it's a that kind of you know hefty public holiday, no. But for other um, purposes, we if it's not one of those days, then we probably will do it. Indeed. Yeah, we'll be here. Uh, Louise wanted me to point out that the new point of care testing, which is just the finger prick. Blood test for Hep C yeah. uh, will be on at Karma this Thursday and Friday. Um, if you can, ring up and make an appointment. Um, and also the criteria is that you haven't been tested in the previous six months. You get um, a $40 payment and it gets paid into your bank account. So bring your bank details. And that's from 10 a.m. till 3 p.m. Thursday and Friday. And um, that's been a big breakthrough because a lot of people, it's very hard for them to... Indeed, especially for people who've been using for a long time because having to take massive amounts of blood or find a vein even... Very difficult. ...is a huge problem, yeah, has been in the past. So the prick, the finger prick testing is a great innovation. Great innovation. Yeah. Another innovation is there's the Venoscope, and um, yep. Peter has put together a new injecting and vein care guide that has been finished with oh, uh, harm reduction messages and I'm also to hear that. Fo- colour photographs of yep. how to uh, correct technique and safety um, tips. Oh, that's wonderful, Jeffrey. because I remember I've actually said it time and again um, like a couple of years ago, the uh, newer news put a poster out of veins and of, yep. um, veins and arteries yep. and where they were in the body. Yes. And I could never find it again. It was only ever put out once and I couldn't find it again. I was really distressed about it because it was a really useful piece of information to have. I'll bring you a copy next week. It's a really good quality. Fabulous. Yeah, Pete's done a great job. All right, look, uh, we'll play a Lou Reed song. We played this before, the last shot, but it's such a good song. I think it bears um, playing again. Lou Reed.
I should kill me for another drink. Let's drink to the last shot and the blood on the dishes in the sink. Blood inside the coffee cup. Blood on the tabletop. But when you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot. When you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot. I shot blood at the fly on the wall. My heart almost stopped, hardly there at all. I broke the mirror with my fall, with my fall, 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 fall. You need a double, give yourself one too. Give me a short beer, and one for you too. And a toast to everything doesn't move. It doesn't move. But when you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot. When you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot. Whiskey, bourbon, vodka, scotch. I don't care what it is you got. Just wanna know that it's my last shot. My last shot. I remember when I quit pretty good. See, this here is where I chipped my tooth. Shot a vein in my neck and I coughed up a quaalude. On my last shot. My last shot. Here's a toast to all that's good, and here's a toast to hate. And here's a toast to toasting, and I'm not boasting. When I say I'm getting straight, when I say I'm getting straight. But when you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot. When you quit, you quit. But you always wish that you knew it was your last shot. All right, that was Lou Reed and uh, your last shot, or the last his shot. His last shot. <laughs> yeah, it's um, one of his lesser-known tracks, but um, quite it's interesting. It's an interesting one too. It's really informative if you listen to the words of it. It actually gives you some really interesting guides on shooting, you know, <laughs> blood fl at flies on the wall. Yes. Yeah? Just, just an interesting, you know, somewhat humorous view of um, injecting, which is in itself, I guess, you know, there are funny parts to it. You've got, yeah, got it, to admit it. Indeed. That just because you're a user, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it's uh, there are some funny parts of it and really need to be acknowledged. And he was a great observer. He, he, of, very good yeah. observer of human the human condition, I guess, is what you'd yeah. call it. Yeah. Um, I just want to make a last um, mention of the updated Karma website if people want to sort of just get a look at what, 
you know, improvements and services and everything that Karma's up to. It's um, www.karma, that's C-A-H-M-A.org.au. There's some really good stuff. And upcoming, there'll be a, a video about stigma and discrimination where four people talk about oh, personal experience. So. I'm really excited to hear about um, that uh, that project of Pates too, the yes. injecting one. It's I very think good. it's really important, for, especially for those who, of us who are ageing and uh, have great problems finding veins. Or one of the not-so-nice things. Yeah, getting one old. of the difficult things about getting old and using, yeah. Anyway, that takes us out from this week's show. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank Stay you. safe. Look after yourselves. Yep. We love you all. Be careful. Take care of each other. Make sure you've got your naloxone with you. It doesn't matter whether you see a drug user or not, someone who's fallen over. If you use naloxone on them, it's not going to hurt them. It will only help if it's an opioid. If they've uh, passed out from some other reason, naloxone is not going to make any difference to them, not going to hurt them. Can't speak enough. So look after each other. Stay safe. Stay well. We love you all. Take care. We look forward to talking to you next week. We'll leave you with Golden Brown. Bye for now. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress Through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day Never a frown with a golden brown